ready to talk baseball. Well, step up to the plate. You're listening to Passion for the Pastime. And here's your host, Walter. Hey, how's it going, baseball fans? And welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I hope everyone is staying safe, staying healthy, washing your hands, sheltering in place as we all should be doing in this coronavirus uh, new world pandemic that's going on. So I hope everyone is enjoying their week, enjoying their quarantine, shelter in place, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm glad that you guys are back listening to the podcast, and that's what I'm here for. Uh, it's just our safe space where we can all just have a good time. So uh, I'm glad that everyone is still listening out there. That's I do this for you guys. And uh, on this week of the podcast, we have some developments in the world of baseball uh, where we'll go ahead and look at when we can possibly see baseball coming back into the fold I do say we because on this episode of the podcast, I have a special guest with me. I have F.P. Santangelo Jr. joining me. How you doing, F.P.? Good, Walter. Thanks for having me on. I'm sheltered in place right now in the Bay Area, just locked in, locked down, and just trying to make sure this virus doesn't spread. Yeah, that's really what a lot of us need to do. And unfortunately, you know, uh, I'm out in the East Bay and I see still a, quite a bit of people still outside, so I just really hope that everyone's staying safe and just stopping the spread of this virus, right? Um, because really, it's affecting everything that we have going on in the sports world. You know, I, I, myself and, and you included, you work in the sports industry, and that's where we're really hitting it. And, uh, you know, we're kind of looking at, <laughs> we don't really know what to do. Uh, we're kind of stuck in the house. How are you uh, going about your your daily activities in quarantine and, and you know sheltering in place. How are you uh, coping with no sports at the moment? Oh man, so I'll tell you what. The first couple of weeks, I was super bummed out that sports were canceled, so I couldn't even look at sports. Like I just I missed it so much. And then uh, I really got over the period, I guess, uh, when opening day happened, which was uh, supposed to be I think it was uh, March twenty sixth. Yeah, it was going to be the opening day for everybody, uh, like the universal one. And uh, that just really bummed me out. So after that, though, I got over it. Uh, I started to look up stats now. That's what I do in my free time. I, I look up like specific players and how great they were. I mean, obviously, Al Kaline passed away a couple of days ago. So I was looking at his stats and his 22 year career with the Tigers and why they call him Mr. Tiger. I was looking at Clayton Kershaw's stats and how great he has been. And then how great he wasn't in the playoffs and just look at the contrast there. And I'm just infatuated by Barry Bonds and what he's been able to achieve in his career. So I just like look up at different people. Uh, I just been uh, really just taking this time to study the history of the game. And uh, I've been working on a piece that I'm hoping to release sometime in this next month about how baseball and how sports has recovered in the past after big historical events like this, like after the Spanish flu, World War One. World War II, 9-11, et cetera. So just been doing research, man, and just like trying to keep that like love for the game there, but not trying to get too sad about it at the same time. I think I got over the hump, and I'm trying to be as positive as possible now. Yeah, definitely. And that's kind of a fine line, too, because when you start looking at, uh, you know, replays and, and uh, historical games and stuff, you do admire the game for what it was. I mean, uh, for me... I just uh, my my love for the game goes back to when I was like five years old, maybe at my earliest memories of childhood. Right. And just going out to the ballpark, uh, going to AT&T. Then it was Pac-Bell Park, um, you know, just, just 
all those memories, it kind of encompasses why we love the sport so much. So when you dig into it, um, you know, I, I was talking with Adam Copeland the other day or on my last podcast, and we were just kind of going back into the history. And it's it's fun. It's nice. But at the same time, you're still hoping for something new, something you don't know what's going to happen, because that's that's the the what comes with sports. Right. You don't know what's going to happen, especially in baseball. I mean, it's so unpredictable. Uh, you don't know if you're sitting down for a, a no hitter. You know, you don't know if you're sitting down for a, a perfect game, a cycle. You don't know what's going to happen. So uh, it's a little bit different because I was actually on opening day. Funny that you bring that up because they had the streaming on MLB Network yep. with, with all the opening day games, um, historical moments for each franchise. And I actually sat down and watched uh, Justin Verlander's no hitter. And I was sitting there and I was watching it. Um, and my girlfriend kind of brought me back into, into, uh, into focus, I guess. And she was just like, "You're still gonna watch it. You know what's gonna happen." And then I was just like, "Yeah, kind of sucks." <laughs> like I was just, it does, like, man, it's it, it bad. Does. Yeah. So I mean, uh, there's only so much of it you can watch because I remember watching the Joey Bats, uh, you know, bat flip from 2015. I remember watching. Uh, the Game 7 of the Giants World Series, watching the Cubs win their World Series for the first time in God knows how long. I can't, I don't remember. the. It was over 100 years. But, yeah. uh, you know, just watching those, they're fun. But at the same time, if you watch too much of it, it may get you a little depressed. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. No, Walter, you hit the nail on the head. For me, it's like watching it and then looking for the details I missed before. So, for example, I was watching – the wild card game this past season between the Brewers and the Nationals. And you know how crazy that was. Oh, yeah. You know, bases loaded Juan Soto in the bottom of the eighth inning, clears the bases, and the right fielder, uh, I think it was Grisham, just makes a brutal play on the ball, or yeah. it just took a weird hop. And uh, I noticed before for the first time that they, they took a shot of the dugout, the Nationals dugout, and Anthony Rendon, who had a critical 3-2, two-out walk to load the bases to get to Juan Soto, was yawning before his <laughs> at-bat. And I was like, this guy is so damn calm and collected all the time. It's just a walk in the park for him. And just to see how slow his heartbeat was in that moment. I mean, this is a do-or-die game for the season. 162 games led to this point. And you have Anthony Rendon yawning in the dugout. And he draws just the craziest 3-2 walk with two outs to load the bases. Juan Soto comes up. The rest is history. Just like stuff like that is incredible. But then at the same time, I go, man, I can't wait to watch the next game. And you go, oh, well, I already know what happens the next game. And I already know what happens next. And then you start to go, man, you know what? I need to just step away from sports for a little bit. Because then it does kind of set in like, okay, we don't know when the next game is going to be played. We don't know what's going to happen with sports in general, it's, it's just kind of a, it's such a weird time, but I think it is also, you could take the opportunity to learn a lot from games that you like things that you might've missed before. Yeah. Def and, and what's, what's also fun in looking back on games, because we all, we always all have the memories, right? We still have the memories and you can still look back on that. Like that game uh, was a crucial point in, I mean, it, it, it all comes down, if Christian Yelich was in the game, you know, if he wasn't yep. hurt, would the Nationals have moved on to defeat the Astros in the World Series, let alone win that that game, that wild card game, you know? Uh, exactly. But, you know, it's it's funny that you bring up the Nationals because I actually wanted to talk to you about memories because, um, you know, when I had Copeland on, we were talking about our greatest memory as kids 
what really stuck with us a lot. And we, we went back to the O2 uh, World Series with the Giants. I mean, I think that yeah. could, any Giants fan out here uh, could definitely go, go back to that moment as a significant. It wasn't positive, but it was a significant moment. Um, but I actually want to stay a little bit more recent with you had the opportunity of going to a World Series game this past October. How, I how, did. How was that, man? So it was incredible. It was the first World Series held in D.C. in I think like 100 years or something like that. Something crazy. Uh, and the entire town was red when I landed there. I went for three games. It was all the home games in D.C. And it was just uh, phenomenal how everybody came together to celebrate the Nationals. And at the time, a really weird political... I don't know, upheaval between, you know, what's going on with the Trump presidency and everybody else, really. And it, it was just really cool to see everybody come together in D.C. in such like a, a segregated place right now with your beliefs, your political beliefs. And everybody came together and uh, they went there to watch baseball. And everybody was so into every single pitch, every single at bat. It was just it was a really, really cerebral experience, um, a visceral experience, I should say, rather. And uh, for me, I just it, it took me back to like 2010 with the Giants, how like we're like, oh, my God, is this going to happen? And like the whole town's orange and black. And it's like, oh, my goodness, the excitement's there. Like, is this really going to happen or are they, are they going to win their first one? And of course, the Nationals ended up going on to win their first World Series in franchise history. But uh, just like specific moments were incredible. Uh, the one thing that sticks out for me was uh, the first game, the first World Series game. So this is game of three of the world series in DC and they're playing the music to basically bring out the players to call like uh, to, to do the lineup, to do the roster. And they're playing the Avengers theme song <laughs> from yeah. Avengers end game. And it's like wow. Trey Turner. And it's just the most amazing thing. The place is just going berserk. And it's like, just I don't know. It was the most incredible thing. And I'm just getting goosebumps talking about it now. And it's so funny. And it, it's just baseball, man. Like, it's the most romantic thing in the world. They came out to the Avengers theme song for game three, game four, and game five. And then they ended up beating the Houston Astros, who cheated in baseball, who ruined the game of baseball. Right. And they literally avenged the game of baseball by beating the Astros in that series. It's just so poetic. It's just so beautiful that it really gets me like, I don't know. It just really brings out that love for sports that I miss so damn much. So if you haven't seen it yet, go check it out. It's on YouTube everywhere. They came out to the Avengers theme song, and it was just phenomenal. It was a party for nine innings. It was great. Yeah, I'm going to have to check that out because Avengers, I'm, I'm a huge Marvel fan. So, oh, perfect. you know, Avengers – you know that that you saying that kind of gave me a little bit of chills too because you know the end result, right? Uh, so, exactly. So it's really awesome, and you know you find out what happened with the Astros. They did avenge the game of baseball because now, I mean, they're still the champions right now. They they haven't had their op opportunity to celebrate it yet. Um, yeah. But you know they're still the champions, and they did avenge. You know the Astros. They definitely avenged the Dodgers. I mean, I, you know I don't know how many sympathizers of the Dodgers listening to this podcast, but, uh, you know, uh, just going back to that moment, I mean, it, it, it was surreal, but the thing with that being said, I mean, you went to spring training and yes, you still see some, some ball, uh, in March before the shutdown happened with uh, coronavirus. But 
would you have ever thought in your wildest dreams that those games in the World Series would be the last baseball that you would see, last significant baseball that you'd see for a couple of months now? No, absolutely not. I was so geared up. I actually went down to spring training at the end of February, so like the first two weeks of spring training, and I was I went to the A's camp because I was really bought in on the A's, and I, I still am. I hope to play a season. And I was just like, oh, my God, this team feels a lot like the Nationals. Like, they have the young guys that are studs. They have the veterans. They have potential MVP candidates. They have the roster. They have the bullpen. This looks like like the team that's going to surprise a lot of people. And the Astros are a mess right now. There's no way the Astros are going to get their stuff together to be able to compete with this team, the Oakland A's. So I was, like, really, really stoked on that. And I was I circled for like months when the A's and Astros were going to play at the Coliseum because yeah. I know the A's fans were going to absolutely bring it and just wear out the Astros. And I knew how good the A's were going to be, but that didn't happen. And it's like a huge hole right now. It's a huge void. I didn't expect those three games that I saw in DC to be those last games I was going to see for, Hell, almost half a year, but that's just the way it is. I mean, I did see some baseball in spring training, which was nice, but, you know, it is spring training baseball, and the starters are out in the third inning. It's just, like, how it goes. But, like, actual competitive high-level baseball where everyone's bringing it every single pitch, I didn't think that was going to happen and just be an October thing. Yeah, and, and spring training baseball, I mean, baseball is baseball. Like, that first, you know, uh, pop of the glove, the first oh, pop great. of the bat – in spring training, it's just amazing because you have such a layoff. Like, you don't realize how long it is until you have that buildup into, <laughs> into the regular season. Um, and I was actually planning on going to the spring training this year. I was supposed to, you know, uh, I was supposed to go out to the spring training that weekend that uh, everything shut down. So I was, oh, wow. actually, I was actually flying out that Thursday that everything got canceled. So I was like, damn, <laughs> I can't get yeah, my fix no. of baseball. But, um, but you know, what's, what's crazy is that I've seen on your Instagram uh, page that you've been posting some videos of, I think it's, is, is it the South Korean baseball uh, league or, or what league was that that you were watching yeah, so at like three so in the morning? So that's like the KBL. And what they're doing right now is what they're trying to do in Arizona. So they have their athletes in a hotel near the facility and they're just doing inter-squad games. Now, it's just teams facing their own guys, and they play five innings uh, during the daytime, and they just have coaches out there, and they have the coaches calling balls and strikes. It's like a high school inter-squad game. No personnel, nobody in there, and it's very, very, very bizarre, but I think it's also very cool, too. You got guys wearing their face masks, like medical face masks. You have uh, nobody in the stands, so when somebody squares up a ball, it sounds like just a rifle going off. It's great. And you can hear the pop of the gloves. You can sometimes hear the American players uh, say curse words when they strike <laughs> out, which is my favorite part. Right. Because sometimes the Korean broadcast doesn't catch that all the time. And it, it's, it's, it's a very, very weird thing. But I think it's so unique. It's so cool that when baseball does happen again, I think it's going to start in this fashion. And they're talking about it being like that in Arizona right now as they're brought up. But. If it does happen like this, I think there's going to be memories that people will always just recollect during this very bizarre and strange time in history. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see the South Korean Baseball League, um, you know, move forward because they're uh, 
they're planning on starting the regular season, if I'm correct, on April 21st of this yep. month. Um, so is that, I mean, do you, do you know a little bit about that? Is that entailing, like, you know, they're going to have umpires and all that kind of stuff? It's not going to be just coaches with coaches? How's that going to go? I'm unsure. I, I believe what they're going to do is they're going to have one umpire calling balls and strikes, and they're, they're going to try to make it as uh, safe as possible. I, I've heard that they're all going to be at one location and playing the same thing. I, I could be wrong with that, too. I'm not too informed on the entire situation, but I heard that they're going to start playing games against each other. I don't know if that's like uh, the beginning or the start of the league. I don't know if that's just like exhibition games to get used to baseball again and see if it's going to work out. But for me, it's going to be a huge, huge marker for other sport sporting leagues around the world, primarily, obviously baseball and see if they can make the, the, the thing in Arizona work. And if you're unaware, they're trying to get all 30 teams in Arizona, put them in hotels, keep them away from their families for four months and uh, basically put them around all these facilities that uh, Scottsdale, Arizona has, or not Scottsdale, but the larger Phoenix area. Yeah. It's good. It's going to be interesting uh, with that being said, because, you know, obviously all the sporting world, definitely MLB is looking at this uh, South Korean baseball league, uh, and how they're conducting themselves to kind of mimic what what they're going to do so that we can have baseball back in the States. And it's interesting that they're talking about Arizona. That came out on Monday. Um, and let's just switch into Major League Baseball now. You know, with that plan being set out, with all 30 teams being in Arizona, you know, Scottsdale, Phoenix, uh, Surprise. I mean, they're going to play at uh, spring training facilities, Chase Field's going to be used. I don't know of other venues in the area. Maybe they're going to use um, ASU, you know, their facilities there. You know, with all that being said, with that plan in place, how how uh, how certain are you? Or not, I guess not certain, but how do you feel about that plan being put into place? And what is the probability? I mean, if you had to give it a percentage on baseball because they're starting to start, they're trying to start it up in May. What is your probability on that um, moving forward? So just my, my overall feeling to answer the first question is I love baseball. My livelihood depends on baseball. Um, the future of my job depends on baseball having a season this year, to be blunt with you. I just don't think it's a great idea whatsoever because I know baseball players. I lived with one my whole life. I've there all my uncles and brothers and all these different things. Now I'm very blessed to have grown around and in major league baseball, these guys are not going to be able to sit still in a hotel for four months. That's just not going to happen. They're going to find ways to do other things. And whether you, you want to hear this or not, they're going to do it. Like they're, they're going to find a way to go to golf courses or go on hikes or go do stuff that they're not supposed to be doing because you can't have a high active, uh, elite athlete just sit in a hotel room for four months. It just doesn't work out that way. I think it's really bad for players, coaches, and personnel's mental health too to be away from their families for that long without any contact. So now there's just going to be a group of guys. Uh, you have basically all Major League Baseball in one location. You don't think fans are going to find a way or going to be tempted to go down there for autographs when the first time in history all 30 teams are in one location. There's just a lot of things that don't add up to me. And my biggest concern, and I think it's the concern of a lot of people who don't think this is the best idea, 
is it takes one person yep. to get the virus yep. and then it's all derailed. And then you got to send 30 teams home or you got to keep them there for two weeks now because we don't know who's infected and you could possibly kill people. There's not young people in baseball. Let's be frank about it. The coaches are older. Uh, the front office personnel are older. There's people that are in the game, the clubbies, the, the this, the that, everyone that, that, that are very susceptible to this virus. And it could be an absolute disaster and it could be the biggest black eye maybe in sports history if if it's it just goes awry. So I, I like just the fact that that could happen makes this really just not OK with me. And I don't think it's going to happen from that standpoint. I think there's going to be too much outrage. Uh, I am hoping that with the development of vaccines or with a test, there, there's people developing tests right now that can detect antibodies in your system within like three minutes. And they're trying to distribute that on a wide scale so you will know who has it and who doesn't or who's very susceptible to it and who isn't. And I think that will make it a lot safer. And if we can get to that before we just say, hey, we're going to play, that's perfect. I'd rather have that scenario where, okay, we're at least testing people and checking people before we actually make this happen. So that way, you know, the, the one or two guys that go off and they do their own thing and they're, they're partying and they're not supposed to be where they're, they're supposed to, and they get it and then they give it to everybody on the team and it just becomes this huge thing. Like that's the worst case scenario. But if you can get tested before you get into the clubhouse every day, before you get to the venue, boom, I think we're good. So I, I, I think we got to wait and see to that point where, where uh, medicine takes us first before we can make such racisms. But like the probability of this happening as of today, I don't, I don't think it's going to happen. I just think there's going to be too much outrage. So do you think that there's going to be any baseball at all in 2020? I think so. I'm very optimistic. I know people are working really hard to either come up with a vaccine or, or do that, that test that I was telling you about that detects antibodies within your system. And if that's the case, I think we'll, we'll be able to play a little bit of baseball. It might be three months. It might be such an abbreviated season. There might not even be, um, it might be like really, really strange where, you know, it's not the World Series anymore, but like when you have the best record, you get the first round draft pick overall. Just something crazy like that, where you have an incentive to play hard for like 30 games or something of that nature. But I just, as of right now, I just think the virus is so contagious and we haven't even hit the peak yet. A lot of people are, are speculating here in California, it's going to come in mid-May when everything's going to really hit the fan here. And if that's the scenario, I don't think we should start baseball in the in the first uh, week of May. So those right. are my thoughts. Uh, I'd like to hear what you have to think about it, though. Well, you know, when, when we go into baseball, it's all about the health and safety of the players. I mean, mm -hmm. it has to be, without a doubt, whatever format that they go with, it has to be to where no one is going to contract the virus. And, you know, talking about a mid-May return to operations, I think is very unrealistic. I, I appreciate baseball and everything that they're trying to do in trying to bring the game back. But, you know, at a mid-May, I, I think that's very, very optimistic at the least. I, I don't think that that's something that's realistic that's going to happen. As far as baseball, you know, I could see it maybe coming back in August. Um, I'm, mm -hmm. hoping, I'm hoping before that, uh, you know, maybe 
you know, uh, it comes back 4th of July. That's very symbolic. Right. But, um, Mm -hmm. but we'll see what, you know, how the, how the, the virus goes, how it, uh, you know, the, the trend of it, the, the curve, so to speak, we have to see with all it's, it's a waiting game, you know? Um, but with baseball being played, I think they, it will come back at some point. Like I said, I think it's August, but we're not going to see any fans at those games. I, I think that it's safe to say in sports in general, I, and I'm, I may even throw football in here too. I think it's safe to say that we may not have fans in attendance uh, at any sporting events for the rest of the year. I mean, I may be thinking, uh, you know, too too dramatic, but but you know, I'm trying. I think my my mindset is that I'm trying to set myself up for this possible situation, and if anything less comes of it, then I'll mm-hmm. be happy with it. You know what I mean? That that's kind of my, my 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 mindset when I think about this. But uh, baseball, I think it will be back, but again, I don't think that we're gonna have any fans. Um, and it's and it's scary because, like you said, our livelihood uh, depends on it, too, because I work promotions for uh, KMBR and, you know, now it's it's at a standstill. I'm not doing anything. So, uh, you know, I, I I need these events to be going on. I, I just don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, it's it, it's it's kind of a bleak situation when you think about it. You could stay optimistic, you could stay positive, which I think is the right mindset to have, because. Who knows? Like within a month, we might have like this wide scale testing system. We know who's sick, who can't get sick, all these different things. Hell, maybe a vaccine just pops up out of nowhere in three months. You know, that's being extremely optimistic. But like those are all possibilities. So it's just a waiting game and we just have to wait around. Uh, You know, you have to prepare for no sports for the rest of the year. You have to prepare for uh, no fans to go in, which I still think the, the sport will do fine because I think everybody will watch the game no matter what, oh, yeah. if there's nobody in the stadium. And I think if you mic up the players, uh, you, you have the broadcast team, you, you do it right. It'll, it'll still be a very good product and you could still sell your advertisements. You could still put on the pre and post game shows from a remote location. Like you could still make it work. So the, we, everyone's trying to work around these things right now. Um, I just, I just hope that, you know, uh, people don't make too many rash decisions because I'm, I'm doing research right now. And after every single historical event where baseball stopped, and I'm talking about for a long time, or it wasn't at its peak. World War II is probably the longest. It was about five years, five seasons where you had only extremely young people and really old people. Anyone that couldn't go into the army, essentially, right. or couldn't enlist were playing baseball. And the product was not that good. And people still were kind of going out to the games, but not really. But when baseball returned, they broke and shattered every record. Attendance records, uh, ad revenue records, they were crushing it. Same thing with the Spanish flu, same thing with World War One. same thing after 9-11, same thing after the player strike in 94 and 95. So that keeps me really optimistic, and I hope people hold on to their personnel and realize that this is going to be like a huge opportunity to make a lot of money. In that sense, if you're thinking about it from a business and economic standpoint, so, you know, they're not letting go of people, uh, organizations aren't doing that because trust me, once this is all over, sports are going to be the most popular that they've ever been. And it's going to be really, really cool to see that everyone's going to realize how much they miss that in their lives. Right. You, you don't realize what you had until it's gone. Right. That, that old phrase there. And I think that for everyone, look at sports like 
damn, we had it really like you could just go to work, come home, and you can flip on a channel, you know, NBA, baseball, football, football in the in in winter. But you know what I mean? Like there's always something on. And then now you don't have that. So people are really missing it. And I, I agree with you. I think that when sports does come back, uh, it's going to come back harder and better than ever. And people are just going to be itching to to uh, to watch it, let alone. I mean, obviously, they're, they're going to want to go. But if we can't go when it first comes back, they're going to be watching it all over. And we have tons of technology now, live streams, all this kind of, uh, you know, to have us interactive with the game that I think it may it may introduce some new things that we can uh, look forward to in the future. Oh, absolutely. There's so many ideas that we're working on over at NBC sports right now that we discuss every day. That's really pushing the limits of technology in creativity. And I think there's going to, this is kind of a blessing in the skies in a weird way. You know, we might have a recession, hopefully not a depression. And there's a lot of hard times ahead for a, a lot of different people. But at the same time, like we are we're discovering new ways to do things that are going to be here forever. And it's really cool to see. Uh, I obviously uh, one of the cool things I thought was really neat was we had Kuiper and Kruko, uh, the Giants broadcasters, of course, if you don't know, uh, call a simulated game on MLB The Show from their house. And then we had Amy G doing in-game hits on the simulated game and just little things like that where they're able to call a baseball game from their house. Like, oh, my God, that's fantastic. And it was a simulated game. So, like, for me, that's like, okay, you know, the future of, you know, Major League Gaming. Like, could you imagine, like, uh, I don't know, like, Madison Bumgarner and Clayton Kershaw. It would never happen because Bumgarner doesn't play video games. And I'm sure Kershaw doesn't. But they're playing each other in MLB The Show. And then you had Kuiper and Kruko calling the game for them. Like, <laughs> what the heck? That's that's amazing, right? You turn into that. Oh, yeah, that'd be must watch, man. <laughs> must watch, right? And then maybe you just have Kuiper or you'd have Bumgarner and Kershaw or whoever it may be, like just talking crap to each other over a video game in the offseason. So there's like little things like that that are springing up that are just really innovative and amazing. And I'm proud of the team over at NBC Sports of what we're doing. And it's it's really, really cool to see uh, how creative everyone's getting and uh, just keeping like everybody afloat. And just keeping everybody together through this uh, very isolated time. Yeah, def- definitely. I mean, that that's kind of what it comes down to is we all got to be together. And then, you know, with, with you even coming onto the podcast, like it just gives me someone to talk to, uh, you know, different than because most of the time I do this podcast uh, solo. But uh, mm-hmm. I've been getting a lot of interviews lately because. Uh, you know, people just want that conversation. And I really appreciate you coming on to the podcast here, talking baseball, kind of keeping it a little normal, you know, uh, which isn't uh, something that happens uh, too often nowadays. So I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, it was a great uh, podcast. What, what are you going to do the rest of your day? What do you have planned for the rest of your day? Today, so I have I'm, I got a couple ideas for some pieces that I'm writing for for NBC Sports uh, that I'm going to do some research on, uh, and uh, I, I'm going to do that. I think I'm going to look at some more Al Kaline highlights and stories, just because he was a huge, huge, huge figure in my grandpa's life, and uh, I kind of tweeted about this last night, and I think I'm going to write a piece on it. For the first time in a very long time, we were talking on the phone for about 20 minutes, and it was just all about Al Kaline, his hero. And for like a split second, I can hear the little kid in his voice. And that just really inspired me to write about 
uh, a piece that I, I will write about and I, hopefully I will release sometime soon about who's the one person or the one moment or the people for you that will bring out the kid in you when you talk to them one day when you're that age, when you're when you're 75, 80 years old and you're talking about that one person, your grandkids or a group of kids that really brings out the little kid in you. So I think a lot of people need that right now. They need to think about that. And uh, I'm excited to write that piece. So that's something I'll be working on today for sure. And then after that, I don't know. You just keep on, just keep on keeping on, baby. Oh yeah, man. Uh, real quick, who would be that player for you, if you don't mind me asking? Do Do you have that in 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 your in your mind right now? Who would that be? Oh, without a doubt, it's Barry Lamar Bonds. Oh yeah. Uh, anytime I talk about that guy, my eyes light up, and I turn into that little kid that just goes, "Whoa!" Larger than life figure. I can hear it in your it voice did... now. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Where it's just like the most incredible player that I will probably ever see. And I had the privilege of, of not only meeting and like getting to know him on a personal level, but just seeing the fact that I saw him play is incredibly spectacular. And I think people in the Bay area know that, and that's the greatest part. They, they know that. And that's all that really matters because there's obviously this huge stigma of Barry Bonds and steroids and the media framed him and kind of made him, the the bad guy of the steroid era unfairly in my opinion because everybody was doing it in the 90s everybody was doing it so uh barry lamar bonds without a doubt and just the incredible stories one story after another that are just on the scale of legendary mythical that you'd be like no way that happened and then we're lucky enough to be like okay no this is true here check it out on youtube or check it out on mlb.com or look at his stats, because he really was that Goliath that nobody I don't think will ever be. I don't think even Mike Trout will be one-tenth of what Barry Bonds was, honestly. And that's something really incredible. The only thing was, I wish he could win a World Series, but it still doesn't take away from how great that guy was. Yeah, Barry Bonds, I think if you were a kid growing up in the Bay Area, I think that is definitely the pick, right, Barry Bonds. Um, you know, it's funny now. I think for kids growing up in the Bay Area now, I was just thinking about this. It's got to be Steph Curry. Got Steph it, Curry got is it's that legend now. So obviously I was in college when, when Steph Curry was happening and when his run happened with the Warriors and how he was just doing amazing things, just pulling up from half court, just making plays happen, just falling over with all these different hands in his face and just going in. Steph Curry is going to be the guy for a lot of people growing up and I think that's just so amazing how every single generation here in the Bay Area there was always somebody whether it was Joe Montana whether it was Jerry Rice whether it was now George Kittle even there's kids watching George Kittle like oh my god when I was a kid I was watching the Saints game and he dragged three (laughs) Saints to the 30 yard line and got a it was getting a face mask penalty at the same time it was incredible and then they went up to win a game so it's just it's like things like that where you just it, it brings out the youth in you and all the great times and memories. So, yeah, definitely, man. Uh, it, it was great chatting with you, talking baseball, talking sports. At the end of this, I mean, just sports. I could talk about that all day. So uh, I really appreciate you coming on. And you might have to send me uh, a a uh, a recommendation for that barber that you had because my hair is all <laughs> all messed up, man. I'm looking like a troll doll right now. So. Oh, I will. I will. So I got a haircut today, and uh, I DM'd my barber. I found his Instagram page, and uh, I was like, hey, are you doing house calls right now? And he's like, yeah. 
So we set it up today. He came to my house. He fixed me up, and I'm feeling like a million bucks, nice. or at least a million, at least a million pennies. So. <laughs> All right, man. Well, I appreciate you stopping by, and you have a good one. Be safe, stay healthy, and I'll talk to you next time, man. All right. Thanks, Walter. You always have my number, so just call me. I'd love to come on again. Well, that is it for this episode of the podcast. I would like to thank F.P. Santangelo Jr. for coming on to be a guest on the podcast. And what a fun interview that was. I'd like to thank him again. And thank everyone for listening and coming back and being loyal to the podcast. Again, I do do this for you. I know that this is a pick-me-up for a lot of you that listen to the podcast. So I appreciate the support. Hope you guys had a good time. And until next time, hope everyone stays safe, stay healthy, practice those good habits, washing your hands and all that, and we'll get through this, I promise you. So until next time, I will talk to you guys soon. I won't abandon you. And as always, be safe and be well. Talk to you next time.